0: As we go to this first scripture, these are very, very familiar words, although in some cases we miss one piece of it that should be in there. Many of us have heard the 23rd Psalm over and over and over again, and it is a psalm about fear and God's role in the midst of that fear. There is a place outside of Jerusalem called the Valley of the Shadow of Death, and the reason that it is called that is a shepherd's take their sheep through that valley. The sides are so steep that hidden dangers are constantly around them. And yet this young writer David, the shepherd, writes of this, remembering who it is, what it is, that offers some semblance of protection in the midst of those dangers.
1: John. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for, my, for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Holy wisdom, holy word.
0: Thanks be to God. Let's invite you as you are able to stand for the reading of the gospel again. Very, very familiar words today. The story of those in the boat that day and what
1: happened with them in the midst of a storm. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. A windstorm arose on the sea, so great that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, you of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a dead calm. They were amazed, saying, What sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? This is God's word. Thanks be to God.
0: Some of you asked about the book that I quoted in my article last week online in the in the newsletter. This is the book by Max Licato called Fearless. Uh, it's a profound book, and I you know I'm not a huge fan <clears throat> of Max, but I found some real interesting truths in here, particularly as we come to terms with fear. If you want to borrow this, feel free. Uh, at any time, just let me know uh, if you take it. It's been an interesting week, has it not, that we've, we've seen so much in the news about things that have happened that just kind of take our breath away. And I, I, I want to go back for just a minute before relating some of those things and just tell you again, to admit to you that for me, as, not just as a pastor, but as a, a human being, I've been struggling with something for years, probably 25 years or more, and, and it has more to do with health and just taking good care of myself. And, and so one of the things that I've committed to this Lent, and I'll go a little bit more in detail on that in just a few minutes, is to make this 40 days plus the Sundays a time of health renewal, to look overall at, at all that. And you're getting to know me well enough to know that when I talk about that, the way that I'm going to do that is by reading first. I am a bookaholic. My name is Brad, and I am a bookaholic. Go ahead. Thank you. Um <laughs> two books that I have now picked up, both of which have had already a profound influence on on kind of life at this point. One is called The End of Illness, a profound book by one of the top oncologists in the world today, who is asking us to look at things in a different way. He relates it to some extent to cancer, but then expands it out fully from there, that we have, in the medical field, have looked at things from the wrong perspective. we concentrate so much on the illness that we forget to look at the prevention aspect and that there are phenomenal things if we were to implement them in our lives that can help prevent all manner of diseases, not just illnesses but other kinds of things. So that's one book. The other book that I'm reading right now is called Well-Being, The Five Essentials, The Five Essential Elements of Well-Being. And this author, who has uh, written a number of authors, uh, one of the most well-known is Strength Finders, and he deals with five elements of life. And those five elements that where we need to have well-being emerging in our lives, these five are what he includes in our career, in our social aspects, our financial lives, our physical lives, and in community. Both of these books begin with a test. Both have us looking, uh, anyone who reads it has you looking very specifically at yourself. And I think for many of us, that becomes a challenge. We don't really want to look inside. We really don't want to look in the mirror and, 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 and particularly find ourselves wanting. But until we do that, these authors say, there will never be a change. And so I will tell you, for this pastor, it's been an interesting few weeks of doing just that, in preparing for Lent as a time of health renewal, of really doing deep self-examination. But here's what happens when we find the need to do that. It takes time. It takes time. It takes carving out more time to begin to look at those things to dwell kind of for extended periods of examining what's inside. Now, I share that with you because we are now within Lent. Sundays in Lent are not specifically a part of Lent. That's why we say this is the first Sunday in Lent. The Sundays are times of recovery, Times of being kind of led and fed, and I become to some extent the cheerleader to encourage you on toward taking these times within this Lenten, these Lenten seasons, to go deeper in your lives. But here's the key to do that, we need to carve out time. And we need to come to terms with where we are in our own spiritual life and be very honest about that. Psalm 139 helps us as we go into this soul work. But, but where I have now changed, not only as a pastor but as a person, is that this time I think can be expanded to look more fully not only at our souls but at our lives And how are we doing within our lives? As Jesus would say, they're all interconnected. What did he say when he was asked what the greatest commandment was or is? He said, this, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, with every single aspect of your being. Lent is that time set aside to figure out what that means for each of us. And to love neighbor, and here's the kicker, as self. Man, in this society, I think that's one of the places we struggle most readily, of looking at ourselves and and just continually feeling like we're not measuring up. And yet, there's some real downsides to that, some unhealthy pieces of that, but also some healthy pieces of that. And I, go, I keep going back to Shannon's sermon last week as she kind of unwrapped Psalm 139 of being searched and known and the fact that we have to come to terms with that. But one of the things, one of the key elements, I think, that prevents us from going deeper, to some extent, is fear. Fear of what we'll find. Fear that we have failed. Or, or generally, fear. I, I asked the children in first service about, you know, what are you afraid of? And immediately, the first young man said, I'm afraid of ghosts. Okay. You know what? And there was no smile. That is a very real fear. And then another young girl said, spiders. Absolutely terrified of spiders. Well, fear is such an incredible emotion. Uh, On the surface, when we feel afraid, one... One of the things that happens, particularly if that fear becomes abject, like what we see in the, the story of the disciples in the boat that day. It's that fear that absolutely immobilizes us, paralyzes us, so that we can't do those things. I mean, think about this story for just a second. Who were the people in that boat that day? At least four or six of them. What did they do for a living? They were fishermen. Is this the first time they'd ever seen a storm? But something about this storm, and maybe it was because, at least according to Matthew, Jesus was in the boat with them, and they were terrified, immobilized, paralyzed by the fear of death. And yet, what did Jesus do in response to that? I love this story. I used to tell this story in uh, much more dynamic ways. Peter pounding through the water toward Jesus who was asleep in the back of the boat, laying on one of the mats on the back and powering over him and in his wonderful gentle voice saying to him, you know what, Jesus, nobody sleeps in a storm. Jesus opens his eyes and looks up and looks around him and sees the abject fear being felt by those closest to him. And what does he say? Three words. Calm. Be still. And it doesn't say whether he was literally speaking to the storm. I think, maybe more accurately, who he was speaking to was his disciples. And because of the power within those words, even the storm obeyed. Fear. So many different kinds of fear, and some of those that I think can help protect us. I'm going to move away. <clears throat> Many of you know that I was on ski patrol for, for a number of years. And I think of the avalanches last weekend. I remember uh, thinking as the snow was falling that this was a time, a high degree of level of potential avalanches. What happens is you have snow and then it freezes on top and hardens. And then last Friday and Saturday, two more feet of snow fell in the mountains And then on top of that, it warmed up just a touch, and it rained. And it's what creates what's known as a slip zone. What were these people thinking? These were expert skiers out in the backcountry who looked at this face and should have, should have, had enough fear and enough understanding to avoid that. It was way too big a group, and as one started across, they felt it slip. Another went across, and it went into the two-foot slip zone, and then some skied down to try and avoid it, and they, too, were caught as this avalanche began, and the slip zone broke, and that top level of two feet of snow grew and took them down the mountain. My heart breaks for them and for that family, breaks for that group. I can't help but wondering, why did you not have enough fear to stay in the boundaried areas and ski that beautiful powder there. Fear can protect. It can protect. I can't help, as you can tell, this this accidental shooting in Bremerton of a child in that place where they're supposed to feel almost the safest place in their lives, where at the end of the day suddenly a sound goes off in this classroom, and suddenly a, a young third grade girl slumps over on her desk. And this nine year old, why didn't he have enough fear of that weapon to not place it in his backpack? Or maybe it was fear that had him place it there. Maybe it was the fear of the life that he was being forced to live that allowed him to want to run away and have something in order to protect himself even though he had no idea the power of that weapon and put it in there in his backpack in such a way that it had to have been somehow cocked and something that shuffled or moved caused it to fire and accidentally shoot that girl. Where was the fear and respect for the weapon? But maybe most importantly... Why in the world did this nine-year-old boy even have access to something like that? Fear. Fear can protect. So I, I ask you again today, what, what are the things that you fear? What are those fears that somehow cause you to stop and pause? What are the fears that cause you to think and be cautious Those are the healthy fears. But what are also the fears that paralyze you or immobilize you? And I think many of us carry those with us. What are the fears that you're dealing with that may have come from something that happened to you early on in your lives? What are the fears that prevent you from going deeper in faith? And by the way, where is God in any of that equation? Where have you allowed God to search and know you? And maybe most importantly, where have you searched yourself enough to know what those fears may be? I think the good fears are things that we need to kind of lean into and identify so that we can become stronger in those areas in our lives. The the other fears are fears that we need to deal with. And sometimes that means we involve therapists in our lives, but we need to be unafraid to do that. Sometimes it means we bring friends or family into those areas, and we need to become unafraid to do that. And so part of the challenge as we enter into this time of Lent is I want to encourage you to identify those fears in your life. Maybe this is the first step toward a deeper understanding of God in you. Let me close with this. Last Wednesday, right here, about 35 of us gathered for the Ash Wednesday service. And in the midst of that service, we talked about some of this. And right before the imposition of the ashes, what I did is I asked each person to take a 3x5 card and on one side of that three-by-five card to write those things that separate you from God. Now, the reason that we do Ash Wednesday and what, what makes Ash Wednesday Ash Wednesday is pastor will take the palms from last year, palms that are now dry, palms that you waved at Aldersgate during Palm Sunday last year, Palm Sunday, that Sunday that is so full of hope as Jesus rides that donkey into Jerusalem. But then he's killed. But then comes the hope of resurrection, that hope of new life, and starting over again with a new invigorating courage to take on the things of life. But what happens invariably is the year goes by. And it goes by way too fast. And those things that we hoped for, the things that we wanted to do, to deepen our own faith, don't happen. And so we come to Ash Wednesday and what I did is burn the palms and then added to them anointing oil that has frankincense in it. And this is what's created out of that. This sludge-like material. And the sludge might material is there as we come forward on Ash Wednesday to remind us that there are places in our lives that, have, that we failed. It's to remind us, though, that even though we are dust, we're pretty good dust, and that there is always the possibility of starting over, and then had them fill out the card. And I will tell you for me, I admit this to you as your pastor, that number one on my missing the mark side, that sin side, is health. I spent 25 years trying to recommit myself to being healthy. And I mean fully, totally, and completely healthy, and I'm talking physically healthy. But this is the time. Those are the books. That were on the other side is what I'm committing to here's what separated the things that I haven't accomplished, asking God's forgiveness for those things, and here's the new commitment on the other side of the card. And it is to absolute health in every area of life. Absolute health. Leaning into those fears that are good, dealing with those fears that immobilize or paralyze. So as you enter into this time, of Lent. If you need a card, you know what? I know where to find them. If you want to do this, take it on. The other thing that I closed with before people came forward to have ashes imposed was to think and pray about how they were going to do this. To remember, remember that we have to include God In this, in order to really truly succeed in deeper ways. That's where I failed. Not this year. Not this year. People came forward and ashes were imposed, a sign of the cross placed there as that reminder. Where do you need that imposition? to occur where are you going to create time where are you going to create space so that you can go deeper final thought what will allow us to succeed at overcoming fear is contained at least partially in this room God is everywhere. What I'm talking about is to have you look around and see the people who are around you who can hold you up, lift you up, and encourage you, who can surround you in the midst of that fear, whatever it may be, and allow you to go deeper, to allow you to be loved in ways that maybe you haven't experienced before. I tell you again, you are an amazing bunch, an amazing bunch. But here's the rub. To do that, to truly do that, we need to trust each other enough to share. We need to trust each other enough to share our fears with each other. I encourage you to do that with at least one person sometime during Lent and allow them to pray for you. Will you pray with me right now? God, it is not about giving up chocolate unless somehow that will create deeper levels of understanding of our faith. It may be about giving up a television show and spending that time in self-reflection or dwelling in your presence or spending that time in Scripture and reading about how we might understand you more clearly or spending that time in prayer not only for ourselves but for others who are in need of prayer and there are many right now. I ask your anointing, your imposition on this congregation, every person that they would allow you to impose to come into their lives in new ways and I do ask the same for myself guide us as your people through this time of Lent encourage us, undergird us allow us to be filled all this we ask In the powerful name of the one who did it better than anyone, Jesus. Amen.